And yeah, I was hoping to sneak that one past Candace, but now I've got to <laughs> do something for tomorrow. <laughs> I'm joking. This morning I want to talk about the goodness of God. And uh, this word good can be used in a whole bunch of different ways. So I want us to first figure out how are we going to use this word before we start understanding it in the context of God. So the word good can be like pleasant, the weather's good, or it could be like, you know, the piece of carrot cake that I had yesterday is good, right? You can use the word like that. It can mean like fun. We had a good time at the skate park yesterday. We went to two skate parks yesterday. We had two good times at the skate park. It can refer to your skill. Marta is good at painting, for example. You know, that word good can mean that she's skilled, she's able to do it well. It can also mean uh, like benefiting you. That holiday time away, that long weekend did you a world of good. The word good can be used in that context. It can also be used in a moral kind of context. Michael Peters is a good man. It means he's virtuous, he's ethical, he's upright, he's morally good. So the word good can be used in a whole bunch of different ways. You can probably think of five other ways. But when we talk about God being good, it's not in the context of tasty food or a skilled artist. It's talking about his acts of kindness and how he's good towards his people, how in essence he is good. So here's a definition, it should come up behind me, of goodness. It is the sincere and voluntary use of one's time, talent, and resources to better the lives of others and the world through genuine acts of love, compassion, generosity, and service. Moreover, kindness involves choice. So think about God and think about that dictionary definition. Another one goes like this. It's being friendly, generous, and considerate towards others and it's shown by action. So in the Bible, there are different words. When we read the English, the original Hebrew or Greek is translated into the English of good. And we're going to look at two of those. And these two words are the most widely used to describe how good God is. The first one is the Hebrew word tob. You say it T-O-B-E, but it's spelled T-O-B. And this is what it means, bountiful, cheerful, better, best, kindness, joyful, prosperity, and welfare. And we'll have a look at where that word is used in a moment. The second word often used in the Old Testament is the word kesed, and it literally means kindness. It doesn't have hundreds of meanings, but sometimes in the English, we see the word mercy or love or loving kindness, and if you look at the original Hebrew, that's the word kesed. So I've tried to, you see the word tob is in blue, and the word kesed is underlined. In the verses that follow, I'm trying to show you where these two different words are used. So let's look at the first scripture, Psalm 34, verse 8. David says, taste and see that the Lord is good, that the Lord is tob, that he's kind, best, joyful, bountiful, cheerful. Blessed or favored is the one who takes refuge in him. 
That's an example of the word tob. Psalm 33, one psalm before this, David writes, his, he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of God, the kesed of God, the, the loving kindness, the mercy, the love of God. David's saying, if you look at the earth, there's not just the odd bit here and there of God's goodness, of his love. The earth is full of it. Now, as humans, we often tend to focus on the negative stuff that's happening, and we have to change how we see things. If we look properly, we will see the earth is full of the goodness of God. Now, these two words are often used together to highlight, to accentuate, to emphasize, and just to show us how amazingly good God really is. Let's look at Psalm 100, verse 4 and 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, like we did this morning, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. He is tobe. His mercy, his kesed, is everlasting. Both those words used together. The Lord is good. He is best. He is cheerful. His mercy, his kindness is everlasting. It doesn't have a sell-by date. It doesn't grow moldy in your fridge. It's everlasting. Let's look at another one where they both use Psalm 69. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good, for your kesed is tobe. It's beautiful. Your loving kindness is cheerful is best, is bountiful, is prosperous. 1 Chronicles 16, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Tob, his mercy, his kesed, his loving kindness endures forever. It goes on and on and on. Both those words used. This concept of the goodness of God, you'll notice all those verses were from the Old Testament. The theme carries on in the New Testament. Matthew chapter, sorry, Mark chapter 10, someone asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And before Jesus answers the question, he says, well, hang on a bit. Don't call me good. No one is good why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So Jesus is saying, actually, by comparison, you can use the word good how you like. But when it comes to the goodness of God, by comparison, actually, no one is good except God. He is perfect in his goodness. It endures forever. James 1.17 puts it like this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. God can only give good gifts because there's no variation, there's no shifting. He's not happy one day and upset with us the next day. God is good all the time. Some churches have a refrain. The preacher will say, God is good. God is good. We should maybe start that. It's cool. It'll keep people awake. God can only give perfect gifts and good gifts. If it's not good, chances are it's not from God. But he doesn't change. Matthew 7, 11, 
Jesus talking to his disciples says, if you then know how to give good gifts to your kids, even though you're evil, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good things to those who ask for him? So Jesus is using a comparison. He's saying, actually, humanity compared to God, if you try and compare on a goodness scale, God's up here. We're so not good that we could call us evil by comparison because God is so perfect. Because even though you're kind of evil, yet you know how to give good things to your kids. How much more God who is infinitely good, how much more will he give good things to you who ask him? Amazing scripture. So we see this theme throughout the Bible. So let's ask some questions as we try and understand this concept. Firstly, what is God's goodness? Nice concept, Glendon, but what is it? Well, it's his loving acts of kindness and mercy and compassion towards us. Remember, it's a choice, the dictionary said. It involves action. It's not God's sentiment towards us, not how he feels about us. It's his acts towards us. Psalm 107 puts it like this. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. You know, the women are already doing it, but the men would. <laughs> Sorry, long weekend humor here. Oh, that we would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, his cassette, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry with goodness, with tobe. In other words, the goodness of God, the psalmist writes, is the works that he does and how he satisfies our souls with good things, with joyfulness, with cheerfulness. Think of that definition, pleasantness. The goodness of God is his nature. He is good. He doesn't have occasional moments of feeling kind. Oh, it's your birthday, I'm going to be kind to you today. No, God is good. It's who he is. And he invites us to experience it. Psalm 34 that we read, taste and see that the Lord is good. Not imagine and pretend that God is good. What would it be like if God, no, taste and see that the Lord is good. We just read Psalm 107, he fills the hungry with goodness. He satisfies our souls. And God abounds in goodness. Exodus 34, Moses, daring, he has a bold moment. And he says to God, show me your glory. Do you remember that? What does God do? He's not caught off God. <laughs> he says, go into the mountain and hide yourself in the mountain. I will pass by. My glory will go ahead of me. And when I've gone past, you, you can look at the back. And so God, as God is going in front of the mountain, Moses is hiding there. This is what he says. The Lord passed by in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Abounding in kesed. There's this. Element of generosity, of lavishness, of abundance about God's goodness. It's not just every now and there. It never runs out. Because he's infinite, 
and every attribute of God therefore is infinite, his love, mercy, kindness is infinite. Why? Why does God show us goodness? What is the basis for his kindness towards us? Well, can I say it's not because of our works, not because we've earned it, right? It's not because we deserve it, because of any intrinsic value or worth in ourselves. Our only claim of value is that God made us in his image. We've wrecked everything since then, <laughs> right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all like sheep have gone astray. We're rebellious. We reject his authority. We depose his kingship and set ourselves up as king over our lives. We've bowed down to idols. We've prostituted ourselves to the gods of our age. We don't deserve his goodness. In fact, we're more deserving of his wrath and judgment than his goodness. Why does God show us kindness? I think because it's who he is. <laughs> and he enjoys, he delights, he loves to watch us enjoying his kindness. God is true to himself when he's kind. He's true to himself when he's kind. When he expresses his tobe, his kissed towards us. He, he loves to take pity on his creatures. He, he gets no enjoyment from suffering. Though he can see the value of suffering, he allows it. But he is good. How does God show us kindness? Well, we just read Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. The next verse, verse 7, gives us an example of how he shows this loving kindness. By maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. We know supremely God's done that in Jesus' death on the cross. Forgiving wickedness and sin and loving thousands, maintaining that love. How else does he show kindness? He has compassion on all that he's made. Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love, rich in kissed. The Lord is good to all. He is tobe to all. He has compassion on all that he's made. How is God good to all? By having compassion on that he, all that he's made. He's not distant, he's not uninvolved, he's not uncaring. He sees our situation and he has compassion. How else does God show us kindness? He gives us gifts. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. And if you read the next verse after that, James 1.18 gives us another example of one of these gifts. It says, he chose, there's that choice element, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. How does God show his kindness? He answers our prayers. Matthew, that we read earlier, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How does God show his kindness? When we pray, he hears us and he answers 
How does God show us kindness? He died for us. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's given us his Holy Spirit, this river of life that never runs out, the spirit that empowers us, enables us, directs us. He's given us a purpose so that our lives can be meaningful and have value. That can be fulfilling. He's given us the armor of God to protect us, spiritual gifts to make our lives significant, make us effective. He's put us in a family, a community, the church. Man, he spoke about that earlier. You could read hundreds of scriptures on the promises of God. How does he show us his goodness? All of these ways. Sometimes God's acts of kindness can look very natural. Maybe in the workplace, you just have the favor of God. You seem to get promoted quicker. You get a raise before someone else. You get a bonus, whatever the case may be. That's his kindness. For most of us, I would say every one of us, especially the men here, one of the most amazing acts of God's kindness, in fact, he's given us a spouse (laughs) and the spouse that we have. Sometimes it looks like finding that special thing that you've lost. Uh, Lainey told a story a couple years ago about a necklace that she'd lost. It was a pearl necklace. It was her mom's. It had some value, but the most value was the fact that it was this family heirloom. She'd worn it. She'd gone to the dentist, and he had to take it off to have an x-ray. She put it back on, and she spent a few hours shopping in the mall, in Greenstone Mall. Shop here, shop here, all over the place takes her stuff back to the car, goes home, unpacks the shopping, it's gone. She checks that it fall down, checks in the shopping bags, checks in the car, it's gone. She's devastated because this is a, her mom's still alive, it's her mom's one actually that she's borrowing, this pearl necklace. She phones her mom and says, Mama, I've lost this necklace. She phones Greenstone Mall, the information section, describes the necklace, has anyone handed it in? No, 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 please look out for it. A few hours later, she's carrying on, and suddenly she feels the Holy Spirit kind of nudging her. Go back and look in the parking lot. What are the chances of it still being there? Like, it's ridiculous, right? She feels some more prodding by the Holy Spirit. Eventually, she goes, just gets in the car. You know how you want to just get God to stop talking to you? You just do what He says, right? Even though you do it a bit grumpily. Uh, There are better ways to obey, but well done, Lainey, even though, you, you know. She goes back to the parking where she had parked in the mall. Broad daylight, right? And someone else was parked where she'd parked. She parks nearby, goes back, and there in plain sight is this pearl necklace. Visible for all the car guards to see. The person who'd parked in her spot where she was earlier, if they'd opened the door and got out, they would have looked at it. And yet there it was, not hidden behind something, not covered up. God's kindness just giving something back that she'd lost. Amazing. Sometimes God's kindness looks like a a near-death experience or a near-miss at the traffic lights. We've had two in the last week. Last Sunday, last Saturday, we came back from the zoo with the kids. And uh, on the highway down the N1 towards Midrand, about a kilometer in front of us, you can see the road quite far ahead. And we saw this accident happen at high speed car, it's got smashed up, we obviously hazards on and kind of drove past, but if we were 20 seconds earlier, 
we'd filled up with petrol just before that and we were delayed by leaving the petrol station because the guy said, oh, you filled up more than X liters, you get a free Coke, what do you want? Hey kids, what do you, like we took extra time. Imagine if we hadn't done that. I don't know what would have happened, but thank you God for your kindness. Another moment this last week, we were wanting to turn right at a traffic light. It was a kind of a complicated intersection. And uh, there were cars going past us and turning right, coming up this way. And it was red for us. And there were quite a few cars backed up here. And it, it turns red for them and it goes green for us. But the cars are still in front of us. We can't, we just wait patiently. We're not impatient. And it's like seven or eight seconds, which doesn't sound like a lot. But when the light's green, that feels like forever. <laughs> And we're waiting, and this car is still here, and honestly, it was seven or eight seconds after it was green for us, a car flies through the robot. And if, honestly, if we had gone at the time we should have, would have been smashed. God's kindness looks natural. Sometimes it looks like health or healing. I think of my dad. Five weeks ago, he had a massive heart attack. His heart stopped seven times while they were putting the stent in. Praise God, he's now out of ICU. But the two nurses who took him out of the ICU to the cardiology ward, they told my mom, we've never seen a patient on the ECMO machine, the heart-lung machine. We've never seen one recover in this hospital. That's God's kindness. Sometimes his kindness comes through people. Someone surprising you with an unexpected gift or a contractor or a service provider doing more than they expect for free. I know it doesn't happen. Ronnie's like, ah. <laughs> You're that contractor, Ronnie. <laughs> Sometimes it's a wholesome friendship. Thank God for good friends. God's kindness comes in all kinds of ways, including natural ones. So what is our response? How should we... Respond to a God who is good. Well, as the psalmist writes, give thanks, enter his courts with praise, bless his holy name. And I think what we should do is position ourselves to receive more because God delights that we enjoy him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Say that again. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. The best thing we can do is to enjoy his goodness, to celebrate it and to get more because it glorifies God when we enjoy his goodness. So how do we position ourselves to receive more of his goodness? I've got three points here. Number one, make God your go-to place. Make God your go-to Verse we read earlier, Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed or favored is the one who takes refuge in him. So when we take refuge in God, when he's our go-to, then we are blessed and favored. His goodness comes to us in that way when we take refuge. What does that mean? Well, he's our go-to. What do you mean? Where are you getting your identity where are you getting your self-worth? Where are you getting your value? God should be our go-to for those things. Oh, my spouse, she completes me. If you get your identity from your spouse, friends, 
they are human. You're made in God's image, not in the image of a person. You don't get your value out of what you do in the workplace. If you do, you're going to come short. God should be our go-to for our worth, for our hope, for our direction, for our decisions, for our provision. When God is our refuge, his goodness comes to us over and over again. Number two, how can we position ourselves to receive more? Take God seriously. We just read, taste and see the Lord is good. The next two verses of the same scripture say this, Psalm 34, verse 9 and 10. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Remember, he's just spoken about being blessed and goodness. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So if we fear God, we'll lack nothing. What does it mean to fear God? It doesn't mean we're afraid of him, that he's in heaven with a big shambok waiting to smite us. Good King James word there, hey? Smite us the moment we trip up. God's not watching for you to mess up so you can be in trouble. We're not afraid of God in that sense because fear, that kind of fear, has to do with punishment. And the punishment for sin has been paid on Jesus. There's no punishment left for your sin. Get that, friends. Perfect love drives out fear. But the fear of the Lord, the main meaning is reverence. It's revering God. It's, it's beholding him with awe. It's taking him seriously. It's the best way I can kind of put it. What does that mean? Well, I think it means obeying his word firstly. Getting the Bible and reading it, understanding and believing it to be true about what it says of who God is, who we are, our purpose, and most importantly, how we are to live. That's taking God seriously. Because if God has given us his word, he hasn't given us some good ideas to try on a weekend. The word of God is not a suggestion manual when you've tried everything else. It's his word to us. It's his instruction. Some of them are commands. When we follow them, there's life and favor and blessing. Why wouldn't we want to follow them? But for most of Christians, they just take the word of God as some good suggestions. Well, I'll try it out this week. Oh, that's a nice verse. I'll try that one. Not that one. Woo! Too hard, that one. We like to pick and choose. No. Take God seriously. You want the favor of God. Take him seriously. Take him at his word. Take his word and put it into practice. And lastly, let God be your source. Out of all the Psalms, I think Psalm 16 is my favorite. Verse 2 says this this is David saying, I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Apart from you, I have no tobe. I have no cheerfulness. I have no kindness. There's nothing better than you, God. And you see, when God is the center of our life, then by comparison, everything else 
just fades and pales into insignificance. When God is our everything, then these temporary earthly treasures and pleasures, they don't influence our lives. They don't run our lives. Should we enjoy the pleasures of this world? Absolutely. God made a good world. Enjoy life. But when you let those things rule your world and influence how you live, they've become a treasure greater than God. And David says, I've got nothing good. Actually, besides you, I have no good thing. And you see, when we get to that point where the things of this world don't direct us, we enjoy them, yes, but they don't rule our world, we're easier able to delight ourselves in God because these things aren't tying us down. We can go to God, we can seek Him, we can praise Him, we can honor Him. So we need to let God be our source. We need to come to God and be filled. And that's a key thing about being the source is that we're like a container that gets emptied. We use up our energy, we use up our grace. I get sometimes upset with my kids. Don't shake your head, buddy. <laughs> it's true. Why? I've run out of grace. I've got tired. I'm human. I'm finite. I'm limited. I didn't sleep well last night. Whatever. There are excuses. But God has to be our source and that like any electrical piece of equipment, it requires power to work. We require regular connecting with God in order to be effective, in order just to live. You want to be a good wife or husband or parent or employee or manager, whatever. You want to do, be good at what God's called you to be. You need to receive from Him regularly. I need like 10 or 11 volunteers to come and stand in front here. All contractors who want to be blessed. One, two, three, junior, four, Andrew, five. I need at least 10, 11, maybe 12. Thank you, Michael, Kaylise. Okay, I've only got 10 fingers. Let me count again here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Two more, two more. To cause a come, 10. One more. Are there even? Ten. One more. Come on, Gavin. Gavin. Pass the baby. Bring the baby. Bring the baby. I've got some goodness in here. Ah. You can look at it if you want. Do you think it'll be a hard task with this topic? The next time, everyone's going to volunteer, hey? So you guys can look at me, Andrew, think sharp, the goodness of God. This is my container, right? This is all I have. Mike, I don't know if you have a sweet tooth. There's lots in there you ought to share those, eh? <laughs> to be so chocolate, chips, buddy, Gavin, Kelly's, you gotta you gotta jump taller than Roman, eh? Come on. Oh, Roman, Brew. Ntokozo, 
I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm empty. I need to be refilled. You need to be refilled with God's goodness. Because part of it is for you to enjoy, but part of it is for us to give away. God has to be our source. Have you tried walking around with an empty jar and trying to give out to others? Have you tried that? We all have. We've all done stuff on our own strength. Amen? Yeah. It's hard. God says, let me be your source. Thanks, guys. You can grab it. I'm really sorry. I only <laughs> got nine things here. <laughs> can we stand? I want to pray for us. And no eating while I'm praying, eh? You can eat after it. <laughs> want us to close our eyes and uh, picture this. If you've ever been on a, a hike or a walk on a hot day and you, you're tired and you're sweaty and you just want something cold to drink or a, a pool to jump into, uh, we've done some hiking in our lives and there's nothing better than coming to a waterfall I want you to picture now in your mind a waterfall. You've been on a hike four or five hours, you're hot. The only way you're going to cool down is if you stand under the waterfall. You've got to make a choice to stand there. You're going to make a choice to go and let the water fall on your body and cool you down and refresh you. And friends, it's the same when it comes to God. We have to choose to position ourselves in the flow of His grace, in the waterfall of His love. We can choose, and we often do, to stay away from the waterfall of God, but I think we all know how that story plays out. Actually, God says, take me seriously. Let me be your source. Let me be your go-to. And when we do those things, we position ourselves in the river of God to flow and flow and flow, the river that never runs dry. His grace and His love flowing into us and then through us to other people. So friends, I want to encourage you to choose that. To seek God. To pursue Him, to press and to wrestle with Him like Jacob did in prayer. To come before Him and to receive from Him. Father, this morning we... We marvel at your goodness. Lord, we can't even describe it with human words, but we, we have to make some attempt to understand how good you are because we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. It's who you are. And we are recipients, Lord. And Father, we don't want to catch one or two drops far from the waterfall. We want to receive as much as you want to give. And we want to delight and thank you and praise you and celebrate your goodness because we know it brings you glory when we delight in you. And Father, I want to pray for all of us because I know, like me, Lord, all of us, we, we don't even have the proper revelation of how good you are. Some of us don't even believe that God could be that good because of what we've gone through, because of the thing that happened last week. And Father, I, I can't explain all those things, but I know that you are good. 
that you don't change like shifting shadows, that you abound in loving kindness. They're not sentiments or feelings only, they are displayed in your works towards your people. So Father, help us to have our eyes open to see what you're doing. Help us like David to enter your courts with thanksgiving and to bless your name. But God, we wanna be a people who live in the goodness of God. Live in the goodness of God that overflows out of us, Lord. This tobe, this kesed. Jesus, I pray that you would demonstrate your love tangibly, visibly, that you'd give us good gifts this week, that you'd answer prayers this week. Little things, big things, Lord. You'd show your kindness. We would remember God is good to all. We'd return praise to you, Lord. We'd testify of your goodness. And Father, help us to refill our containers. Help us to to be conduits of our goodness, to be those who surprise others with gifts. Dot, 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 all the other things, Lord. Help us to show the world through how we live that our Father is good because they see that goodness work through us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. If you need prayer for anything or in any way, we'd love to pray with you and stand with you and trust and faith for God to answer that. Please, wouldn't you mind coming down to the front? Some of our leaders will be hanging out here if you need prayer. Otherwise, have a great week. Be blessed. Enjoy the favor of God. Amen. Zanani to be And share your sweets. Amen.